Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Alexandria, Egypt at the Africa Cup of Nations and with me is Oluwashina Okaleji as my guest analyst. Also will be joined by Ngie Eno who's with the Cameroon team in the city of Ismailia. Most of today's show is about the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations as the nation of Egypt is expecting a home triumph with two wins from two so far. We investigate the player protests over unpaid dues in the Cameroon, Zimbabwe and Nigeria camps and we highlight how some nations have acquired new players for the Africa Cup of Nations through nationality changes. Plus a look at the controversies with Cameroon and Nigeria at the FIFA Women's World Cup. And a reminder, we're producing regular podcasts throughout the tournament called The Egyptian Dream, available on the Planet Sport Football Africa app and on SoundCloud. It's with Adrian Barnard, Tom Ellis, Liam Flint, Solomon Ashams are bringing news, stories, analysis and interviews from the Nations Cup. So as well as the usual Planet Sport Football Africa show every week from Egypt, there's also a daily dose on our podcast, uh, which you can listen to on the Planet Sport Football Africa app. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Also, you can listen on SoundCloud. You'll find the latest one up there right now. So we're well into the group stage of the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations here in Egypt. Lots of exciting games already and plenty of contenders for the title are emerging. So I'm with African football expert Oluwashina Okaleji, who's from Nigeria. He's here in Alexandria as the Super Eagles are playing their group games here. Uh, now let's first hear from Ola Aina, who's been a key player so far for the Super Eagles. Shina spoke to Ola Aina after their victory over Guinea that saw them the first team through to the round of 16 and also talked about the player protest over unpaid dues on the run-up to that match. Very difficult game uh, with the conditions as well, but you know we, we've got the job done and uh, we, we wanted the three points and that's what we did today, so I'm very happy for the team and um, yeah, we, we just look forward now. Considering everything this team's been through in the last few days, I mean the bonus row and all that, how psyched up or how mentally ready were you guys for this game? You know, I think this team, we don't really let things outside of the football disturb us, you know. The captain and the vice-captain, you know, they pulled us together and they said, listen boys, first and foremost, we're here to play football, you know. We're here to do what needs to be done. We're here to represent the country. We're here to, to represent ourselves, you know, our families. And we've got a job here to do first. So that's what they said to us. And the group came together and that's, that's what we're here to do. We're here to play football and, and get results. Two wins. How far do you think the Super Eagles can go? I don't, I don't want to jinx myself. I don't want to jinx myself. But, you know, I think if we work hard enough and we continue to work hard for each other, we should be okay. So that's at Nigeria's Ola Aina. And what about you, Shina? Are you happy with the Super Eagles so far? I'm excited about the Super Eagles. I mean, two wins out of two. Um, what, what more can you ask for? The football hasn't been pretty, but the Super Eagles have actually done um, a job that they are expected to do. Um, they beat Burundi, they beat um, Guinea in a very difficult match. Um, the overall play hasn't really, really been, been that fantastic. But hey, we're talking about the Super Eagles here. They probably don't fly heli, and then you, you hope that um, as the tournament goes on, they build on that and then they can fly higher. Uh, 2013 when Nigeria last played at the Nations Cup and they won it. I think by the time they'd won their quarter-final game you'd say these are now potential champions but can you say that 
at this stage now? Um, I think it's still early, um, early stage. They've got their own problems around the team as well. Um, the football, like I said earlier, uh, I don't think Genetro has actually got um, his, his, um, his permanent um, starting eleven. I think he's still trying and um, it's difficult to be doing, uh, you know, trying players and looking at the position that best suits them. He's been hit by injuries, illness and all that. So it's been very, very difficult to be honest and say this is the assessment of the Super Eagles. But I do think that as long as you keep progressing in the tournament, you win each matches. I think momentum and confidence builds from that. We've seen teams like Cameroon um, who have actually done that in 2017. We've seen Nigeria, like you mentioned, in 2013. So I think given time and then we see what happens after the game against Madagascar and then we can easily say these Super Eagles are ready or not. Now, whether you speak Arabic or not, you can sense the huge home support for Egypt. Their flags are flying all over the city of Alexandria, all over the country. Uh, big home support for them. Do you see them winning an eighth title? I was there in 2006 when they won. So we see the kind of um, support that they get on home. So it's difficult to beat Egypt whenever they're playing at home. Um, in Gabon, they reach the finals. I think this time around, they believe they can go all the way and win. Home support is something that really gets you in the groove. And here in Egypt, they don't lack support. Look, they're going to play their games. The whole city is packed in Cairo, in Alexandria, the entire city. And you can see the, the huge um, support that this what it does for the team. El Mohamadi was talking um, prior to the start of the tournament saying they can't go wrong at home. Um, as we, we asked him if it was um, negative or it's going to be huge pressure and he said what more can you do but perform in front of your home fans. I think Egypt will be the team to beat in this tournament. I think it will be difficult for any team to stop them um, and I think they still have so much more to give. Yeah, they're going to be a huge factor here. Uh, now, Shin, away from the games themselves, one thing that struck me here is that uh, Getting players to sign up for your nation is becoming a really big factor at the Nations Cup. Uh, what I mean is persuading players to commit to your nation. So Burundi have Stokes Saido Berahino, who committed last year. He played for England up to under-21 level. Uh, Zimbabwe have Tendai Dariqua of Nottingham Forest. Alec Mudimu, who's playing in Wales. They've got Zimbabwean roots, but uh, grew up in the UK. Uh, they committed and got papers last year. Uh, Guinea have got about six players who joined last year, including defender Michael Direstum, who plays in Greece and made his Guinea debut last Saturday here at the Nations Cup. Uh, Nigeria have got their own players in the past as well. So it's kind of like you need to go shopping for players if you want to keep up with others. I love the way you put it, shopping for players. I mean, look, first and foremost, um, every African country wants to develop its football. Um, they are not looking far away from home, but when you've got players who are eligible to play for you, they've got the best technique, tactics, as well as the upbringing that they in Africa cannot really give to these players. They believe you can come and compliment them. We've benefited from having Victor Moses. Ghana's got Kevin Prince Boateng at some point. You look across Africa, Algeria, big big benefactors of this, um, you know, multiple dual citizenship. Morocco has actually done that as well. I think for African football, it's all about bringing in players who are eligible for you. They bring the best out of even the local players. Um, I think it becomes a huge problem when local stars or players who have actually come from the homegrown talents are being um, given um, second, second um, what was it called? Um, they are not giving treatment, the same equal treatment. I think that really, really creates a big problem. For African countries to continue to do where you can tap into players who are eligible to play for you, born in Europe, born in America, it doesn't matter. I think they bring a lot to it and I think it actually helped Africa in my own way. Um, if You can call it shopping for or whatever, but you shop for what works for you. You don't go into a shop looking for a shirt that's bigger than you. You actually get your size and you get um, the, the trousers that actually suits you or the shoes that suits you. Going shopping for these players, you need the right one. Nigeria's got Victor Moses. 
Alex Iwobi is performing now, William Truth Ekong and um, Neon Balogun, they call them the, the white wall in, in local parlance because, I mean, they're Europeans, not in, in a negative tone. The players understand this. We've built that and I think if you continue to give chance to more players born abroad, I think it will only go to help Africa get better. It's kind of like a transfer market for <laughs> international players, isn't it? Well, you can call it like that. Um, I mean, in England chasing players from Ireland. They're chasing players from Wales as well. Um, I think it's just the way life is gone now. Generation now, things have changed. And um, for Africa, I think it's positive. It benefits them positively. And Africa needs more support, not because it's just like a stereotypical Africa statement. It's because you need the best talent to actually perform and stay at par with other European countries. It's a big factor, isn't it? OK, let's go to Ismailia now, and Nchie Eno is with the Cameroon team there. Uh, now Zimbabwe threatened to boycott their opening game against Egypt over money that was due to the players. They refused to train on the eve of the match. Uh, actually, the FA had paid, but it hadn't reflected in their accounts. Then they made the same threats again ahead of their match against Uganda, demanding their appearance fees in full. Uh, the FA had run out of money by then, but the government's fundraising committee for the Warriors was able to assist. Nigeria also protested over unpaid dues ahead of their second game here. Now, in the case of Cameroon, the issues were similar. They refused to travel and their trip was delayed, but they eventually decided to go and to represent the country anyway. What were the issues there, NGA? Hello, Steve. It's cardinal to mention that bonus rows are a sort of tradition with Cameroon's football selections. And in Cameroon, um, fans joke by saying that if there is no bonus saga, then something is wrong. You see, the players cited a number of reasons for staging a sitting boycott. They disclosed that there are outstanding bonuses dating as far back as two years ago when they won their fifth continental title in 2017. Cognizant of the economic tribulations in Cameroon, the Indomitable Lions decided to take a 25% cut on their bonuses with the hopes of playing the Nations Cup at home, something which sadly hasn't come to fruition yet. Also, Steve, there is a lackluster management around the five-time African champions that's seen players like Liverpool centre-back Joel Matip or Torino defender Nicolas Nkulu turn their backs on Cameroon's flagship selection. I've had a word with some of the players who told me that their actions are geared towards sparking a change that will ensure that the future generations do not go through the same absurd conditions they are having to deal with at the moment. Right, well, and now when the tournament is finished, uh, how likely is it that the Indomitable Lions will actually get their money? Obviously, Steve, the players flew out to Egypt without concluding negotiations with sports stakeholders. And no matter the outcome for the Indomitable Lions at the Egypt showdown, talks of participation bonuses will definitely resurface later. It looks to me that these players are fed up with the um, current situation around the team and there's a feeling that were it not for the involvement of top officials from Cameroon's presidency, Chupomoting and mates were willing to go the extra mile and boycott the Made in 24 Nations Continental event. In fact, the situation at the moment is very tense. Tense to a point where players shunned a meeting with Cameroon's sports minister 
just before their 2-0 win against Guinea-Bissau. They flew into Egypt with the determination to prove naysayers wrong and they really want to put up a great performance before asking for their money. I've had a word with the president of Cameroon's Football Federation, Seydou Mbombonjoya, who told me that all that is due the players will be paid to them at the end of the tournament. Right, well, thanks, and GA. Stay with us. Planet Sport Football Africa coming to you from Alexandria in Egypt. And I'm with Oluwashina Okaleji, African football expert. And while we're on the subject of protests, Nigeria Super Falcons had another sit-in protest after they were knocked out of the FIFA Women's World Cup in France. It was over unpaid bonuses and allowances, some owed as far back as 2016. Uh, the Nigeria Football Federation promised to pay them. The team agreed to leave the hotel. But uh, in 2016, the Super Falcons spent a week at their hotel in Abuja after the Africa Women's Cup of Nations refusing to leave until they were paid. Uh, so we're seeing these things happening again and again in men's football and in women's football, Shina. Yeah, I think it's just uh, a sad uh, commentary for African football. It summarizes how football on the continent is viewed like um, you know, foreign media are always looking out for Nigeria and bonus routes because it's become part of us, Ghana, Cameroon, now you mentioned Zimbabwe, you come into a major tournament. I think it's a matter of lack of communication and lack of trust. On the part of the players, they don't trust the officials. They believe that when they play, um, then anything can happen at that point and then the money will disappear because um, unfortunately for Nigeria, they've not had the budget as well as the fund approved by the government in the last one year. So it's been, it's been struck, it's been um, a tough, tough one for the Nigerian Football Federation. You had the under-20s protest in Poland, you had the women's protest in France, and now you have the Super Eagles protest in Egypt. It's embarrassing for African football, it's embarrassing for Nigerian football. Um, it's become a part and parcel of our football and it's sad. I think what's important is officials need to iron out these things before these players set out. First, manage the communication properly. Give the players what they are due. I know it's easy for fans listening to say, oh, come on, they're paid millions. They're paid so much money. Why would they need this? There should be pride at stake. There should be, um, you know, patriotism and all that. These footballers, a footballer's career is so short. The money you hear and you see is different from the money that will stay with you after football. Some of these guys don't manage their money properly. Some of them believe that when you get injured whilst playing for your country, it could be the end of your life or your career because officials will abandon you. So at every opportunity they get, they want to get the last penny off the officials. If the officials are trusted, I think the players will believe them when they say, we don't have money, but we promise you we are going to give you money. I think it's just Africa working on the communication aspect as well as when you promise people, please deliver what they, you promised them. And I don't think we'll have all this mess and problems surrounding our tournaments. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks, Sheena. And a bit uh, more on the Women's World Cup later on as a CAF official called the Cameroon women's team something of an embarrassment in the way that they played against England. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. I'm Steve Vickers in Alexandria, Egypt, with Oluwashina Akaleji at the Africa Cup of Nations. More from Sheena shortly, but I've been having a look around Alexandria. Time on the beach in the city centre. Beautiful blue sea, it's the Mediterranean Sea, a sandy beach and I can smell the salty sea air. And behind me a great view of the city which is densely populated with tall tower blocks packed together, uh, plus hotels and cafes and the cafes are busy up to the early hours of the morning. Uh, the road along the seafront has four lanes each way and it's always busy. Traffic is heavy here and it's uh, even heavier in Cairo. 
So Alexandria was named after Alexander the Great. Uh, he was a king of the ancient Greek kingdom of Macedon, uh, born in 356 BC. Uh, by the age of 30, Alexander the Great had created one of the largest empires of the ancient world from Greece all the way to northwestern India. Uh, he died at the age of 32. Alexandria was famous for the towering Pharos Lighthouse. It was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world at the harbour here and its library was one of the greatest in the ancient world. The famous Queen Cleopatra ruled here from 51 BC to 30 BC. Uh, the city has a population of 5 million people now and there's lots to see uh, more on next week's show. But now let's uh, go to social media. We've been asking for your thoughts on the Nations Cup here in Egypt as the tournament progresses. And what's up, Kitenge Ija Godfrey in Uganda says Dennis Onyango, Uganda's goalkeeper, will outshine the rest of the players at this year's Nations Cup. I'm very sure he's going to lead Uganda up to the semi-finals this time around, says Kitenge Ija. He's been the number one goalkeeper in Africa now for three consecutive years. Uh, certainly the Cranes are looking very good there. They uh, are on course for a place in the round of 16 and impressing thus far. Uh, Tebi Otieno in Kenya also says, I'm impressed with Uganda. Andrew got in touch from Ireland. Uh, he says, I thought the match between Egypt and Zimbabwe was a very good opening game, well refereed with play allowed to flow. And Tuesday's match between Ghana and Benin has been the best game so far. Uh, that one a thrilling 2-2 draw. Ebrima in the Gambia says, I wish my country, the Gambia, could have qualified for the Nations Cup, but I'm supporting Senegal. And uh, yes, Ebrima, maybe next time around uh, for the Scorpions. We certainly wish them all the best. Musa Balde is a Gambian living in Ghana. I just wanted to comment on the tournament facilities this time around, says Musa. Looking at the standard of the pitches and the playing areas, it's all amazing. And yes, you're absolutely right there, Musa. The pitches are world-class. They're being looked after magnificently. And indeed, all the facilities that I've seen so far are absolutely top-notch as well. Joseph Adelino is enjoying the tournament in Namibia. In our first game against Morocco, the Namibian performance wasn't that good, but thanks to the goalkeeper, he saved us so much, says Joseph. But if we improve, we can go so far. Uh, yes, and Namibia lost that uh, game to Morocco in the 89th minute uh, in their first match uh, with an own goal there. Uh, Patrick Mwamlima in Malawi has been enjoying the tournament, says, uh, So far, I enjoyed the match between Tunisia and Angola. That was very competitive, says Patrick. That was a 1-1 draw. A few from Kunda Francis Piri in Zambia, who of course are not competing at the finals. Uganda have impressed me so far, says Kunda. Uh, blessings Nyerenda in Malawi says Egypt are impressing. Mo Salah is showing maturity indeed. Thanks for those comments. Do keep them coming throughout the Nations Cup on Facebook, on our page Planet Sport Football Africa, and on WhatsApp on a plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. A reminder about our podcast, the Egyptian Dream Podcast, is almost daily throughout the Nations Cup. You can listen via the Planet Sport Football Africa app or on SoundCloud. Adrian Barnard, Tom Ellis, Liam Flint, uh, Ida Waringa, Solomon Ashoms and myself are the team uh, with news stories, analysis and interviews pretty much every day throughout the Nations Cup. That's the Egyptian Dream podcast. You can listen on SoundCloud or on the Planet Sport Football Africa app. And uh, certainly you're here on the beach, a good place to listen to the Egyptian Dream podcast.
So I was down at the beach there here in Alexandria at the Africa Cup of Nations. Olo Shina Okaleji with me as our guest pundit. And uh, Shina, we had a question asking what are the leading academies in Africa right now? Uh, what are your views there? Well, basically, um, you can look further than West Africa. They've provided us with some fantastic um, academies. Um, you look at um, Generation Food Academy in Senegal. Um, they also, they've got the Ambas. Uh, the Ambas also provided us with a lot of players. But Generation Food um, actually have a partnership with um, French Club Mets. And um, it's been the, like the main channel for for that um, team in France. They've actually brought in players the same way um, you've got the numbers with um, the likes of former France um, player Patrick Vieira, who's actually supported them as well. So it's 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 been um, good for African um, football when you look at the way Generation Foot as well as the numbers have done it. In Nigeria, we used to have Pepsi Academy. It's not really, really that functioning any longer. Um, then Asek Mimosa, the famous one, um, I think, despite the fact that you know a lot of problems, right, left and right, um, I think Asek Mimosa still provided us with like a Salomon Kalu, um, also um, the Toure brothers. You know, they also um, came from that club. But why do I say so much about um, uh, um, um, Asek Mimosa? Because the generation, the golden generation of Ivory Coast, I think they all passed through there, except the likes of Didier Drogba, who didn't really go through there. When you call any of the Kalus, Salomon and his brother, Bonaventure, they actually went um, through that uh, academy as well. And of course, you have Kaji Sports Academy in Cameroon. It's quite notable because it provided us with the likes of Samuel Leto, Stefan um, uh, Mbia. So these are players who have actually come, come through that academy as well but one that i like but it's really be cluttered with a little bit of problem is right to dream in ghana they've got this fantastic concept where they move players they use scandinavia as the point where they move players to from um west africa they go from um west africa to get players to um sweden norway you know waris abdomajid waris came in from right to dream you've got fantastic players who've come through from right to dream they go to sweden or the um uh, the scandinavia before you know it two three seasons boom they blow up and they become fantastic players i think these five academies in my opinion stand out for me as the best so far in africa interesting thanks for that uh, sheena uh, let's go back to nga eno who's in ismailia with the cameroon team uh, but to talk about the women's team this time it was africa's best ever fifa women's world cup with two teams getting past the group stage for the first time that's nigeria and cameroon though they both went out in the round of 16 and ended their campaigns in controversy we talked about the Nigeria protest earlier on and for Cameroon there was an on-pitch protest by their players after England's second goal was awarded by the video assistant referee in their round of 16 defeat. Yvonne Leuko was booked for an apparent elbow on an England player. Augustin Ejange spat on Tony Duggan and Alexandra Takunda was shown a yellow card for a late challenge in stoppage time. Uh, FIFA say that they are investigating the events in that game. Now, Gia, you have defended the Lionesses on social media and you even wrote an article for the UK Guardian newspaper defending them. Uh, Aisha Johansson, who's the chair of the Confederation of African Football's Women's Football Committee, said it was an embarrassing situation. How can you defend the girls? Steve, this is a very complex situation unfolding in a particular context. There's a general consensus in Cameroon that along the years, a lot has been done to frustrate the efforts of African teams and to prevent them from thriving in the World Cup.
Remember how Cameroon lost the 1990 quarterfinals to England, courtesy of two controversial penalties that saw England beat the um, Central Africans three goals to two at extra time. Also, memories of the 1998 World Cup where Cameroon was denied two glaring goals by Omambik against Chile by Hungarian referee Laszlo Wagner are still very fresh in the minds of Cameroonians. The Indomitable Lions needed a win in that game to sell through, but were forced to settle for a one-all tie after very controversial decisions from the referees. In fact, these are stories that are told from the older generation to the younger generation, and players of Cameroon's women's team know this pretty well. Add to this the fact that there have been controversial calls against African sites in the World Cup in France, like the penalty incident in the Nigeria-France game or the penalty polemics uh, following the VAR decisions in South Africa's first game against Spain. These players, I'm talking about the Cameroonians, have grown up seeing a lot of injustice being done to the African teams and they went into this competition with this paradigm and with a lot of pressure. Football is the king's sport in Cameroon, but there's no doubt women's football is in a shambles. Games are played at odd hours, Steve, on rocky pitches, and the funding set aside for the discipline isn't anywhere near sufficient. The Lionesses were hoping to sail through to the quarterfinals and change the perception associated to women's football that it's a discipline for dropouts and delinquents. I think the pressure and emotions took over proper reasoning. Still, make no mistake, I do not condone the atrocious spitting or tackles, but I think it's crucial to understand the context. I also feel that Isha Johansson, the chair of the Women's Football Committee at CAF, should have done more in securing subventions for Africa's three teams at the World Cup, as it was the case for the men's sides in Russia 2018. Most likely, this would have permitted South Africa, Nigeria and Cameroon to better prepare for the planetary football bonanza. However, I hope that Cameroonian sports officials can invest more in the sport and encourage more women in football, not just on the turf, Steve, but also in top managerial positions. Well, thanks, Njia. And just before we go, Sheena, uh, away from those controversies, were you encouraged by the performances uh, on the pitch with two African teams getting out of the group stage for the first time ever at the Women's World Cup? I was quite impressed with Cameroon, indomitable lionesses. I mean, they, they did show um, dedication, passion, tactical, was better than that of Nigeria. They did play very well, two World Cups, two round of 16. Um, it's unfortunate um, how it all ended for them. I mean, the reactions of the players, I can understand the frustration and everything. I think Africa needs to do more. We need to um, do more in terms of uh, football and, of course, um, our, our women's football especially. We need to have a properly run professional women's leagues. And then maybe, maybe a, a CAF Women's Champions League. I think it will help and build competition for our teams. For Nigeria, a huge disappointment, even though they may have reached the last round of 16. Why do I say that? I think for the first time, these girls, they got everything they wanted in terms of preparation. It may not have come so quick and fast, but they did enjoy it. The last team that enjoyed that in Nigeria was the 2003 squad that went to the World Cup. The 1999 squad that reached the quarterfinals didn't even get this much of preparations. So I think um, 
not because the players didn't play very well. I think the manager could have done well. I don't think he knew exactly what he wanted. I think tactically and technically Nigeria were poor. And they were appalling at some point. I, I didn't know I was watching Nigeria. Against Norway, I was there live. I saw it. I was really, really surprised about the way they played. Um, I think they were lucky against Korea. And then against um, France, obviously, they did lift up their games and they did well. Um, Germany, I mean, you know, they are like three steps above the Super Falcons. But I think it's enough to dominate Africa. You need to step up your game if you really, really um, want to call for the cause of African football to be looked into by FIFA. For you to get support, you need to show that you do deserve um, to be amongst the best in the world. Yes, yeah, so still a lot of work to be done in African women's football. Like that suggestion there, Sheena, of an African Women's Champions League. Wonder if we'd ever have that uh, one day. Well, that's it for the show from me, Steve Vickers, and Oloashina Okaleji in Alexandria, from Njie Eno, who's in Ismailia here in Egypt as well. The show is back again next week, but a reminder about our podcast, the Egyptian Dream Podcast, is coming to you almost every day on the Planet Sport Football Africa app and also on SoundCloud. Tom Ellis and Liam Flint bringing us the latest news here in Egypt. Also, Ida Waringa and Solomon Ashams are our analysts for the show. So, as well as the usual Planet Sport Football Africa program, Every week from Egypt, there's a daily update with our podcast uh, to download the app so you can listen to the podcast. Go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can also listen on SoundCloud. Uh, from me, Steve Vickers and Oluwashina Okaleji and Njie Eno all in Egypt. Uh, that's it for the show for this week. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.